The scripture reading for today is Joshua 24, verses 1 through 10. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. The word of the Lord. Joshua chapter 24. A very significant covenant moment. One thing that I've really enjoyed in my ministry as a pastor through the years is teaching the confirmation class, meeting with middle schoolers. Any middle schoolers in the house? Yes. Thanks for representing. Yes, thank you, Emily. I want to make sure every middle schooler gets counted. So... When I'm doing a confirmation class, and really any pastor is doing a confirmation class, it's meeting uh, emerging adults in those formative moments, and I absolutely love it. Can't wait till the next opportunity we have. It's been a while, but we've got some middle schoolers, we've got confirmation that we're looking forward to. Uh, once we can figure out when and where and how and all of that kind of stuff. But one of the things that, that we do in confirmation is we talk about the story of Christianity. And we learn it from a new perspective, a perspective of an emerging adult who's being invited to take their place in this story, not as just a child or perhaps even an afterthought, but right there, shoulder to shoulder with every single one on equal level ground. And we talk about the covenant. In the Presbyterian church, the covenant is very important. We understand it to be the foundation of all that we understand to be the Christian faith. It is the word that describes the relationship that we have with God. God relates to humanity through a covenant. 
a covenant, this relationship that, that is defined by, by God's faithfulness and God's promises to a people who have been called and chosen. And there is a responsibility on the part of God's people to serve the Lord and to worship the Lord. And that's the way that covenant relationship goes. It's very similar to covenant relationships in our world and in our lives, like the covenant of marriage. Both the joy and the intimacy of that relationship, but also the real responsibility that it takes from each one who is in that covenant. There are covenant moments throughout Scripture, and they they tend to all flow from God's initial call of Abraham. And throughout the Old Testament, there are moments where God's people are renewed in their covenant, given opportunities to commit themselves anew in that relationship. And this is one of those. In fact, it's one of the primary covenant renewal moments in the Old Testament. A renewal of the covenant between God and God's people that is overseen and guided by Joshua. A moment for all of God's people to reconsider their commitment to God as they consider God's faithfulness to them. Now, in the church, we have periodic times where we recommit ourselves to the Lord, such as each November in what we have come to call a stewardship campaign. From one point of view, we are like any nonprofit organization. I just want to show of hands, how many of you financially support a nonprofit organization? Anyone? Go ahead. So look at that. We have so much experience supporting nonprofit organizations. I do as well. Everything that we do, what unites us with other nonprofit corporations is, is, and it hel- is helpful to remember this and have moments where we actually do say this, that everything we do in the church, every person that we employ, yes, also talking about yours truly, every ministry that we offer, every room in our church that has electricity for the lights to be on and for heat to be going as we enter into colder months. All of that is provided for by your offering to the church. Your charitable, voluntary giving to the church. There's no other way around that. That's what unites us with all nonprofit organizations is that we are dependent upon that. And so a stewardship campaign may seem like an exercise in paying the bills, like we're mirroring mirroring the culture of fundraising for institutional survival. But that's not the full story. And this stewardship campaign is going to take us deeper into the story of why we give and why we serve. It's deeper than institutional survival. Joshua 24, among other Old Testament texts, reminds us that our stewardship goes very deep, historically and existentially. Moments of commitment to the Lord are part of our DNA. 
In Joshua 24, that's part of our story as God's people. And over and over again, God's people are given the opportunity to step up, to step forward, to recommit themselves in covenant to the Lord. Giving is outlined in the Old Testament in terms of the practice of tithing or giving the first tenth of our income or produce to the Lord as our act of service. And I think it's important to say right off when we talk about financial giving that financial giving is a subset of serving the Lord. It's one aspect of how we serve and worship God in our lives. Joshua 24 verse 1. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Now, the word of the place that they are in, Shechem, is a clue for those who, in the real time, uh, they knew that they were being gathered at Shechem. If they were, it was a covenant moment. And for those of us who understand a little bit more of the Old Testament story, we might remember that, that there has been a covenant made at Shechem before this. And so for those of you who want to do some more deep research of this, go ahead, find a concordance, look up Shechem in a Bible dictionary, and learn about this place and its covenant significance. But they presented themselves here before God. And that's what we do in our stewardship, in renewing the covenant, our commitment to a relationship with God, who, it turns out, is committed in relationship to us. Now, covenant renewal takes a certain form. There's really a three-part form that is on display here in Joshua 24. There are three parts, and we actually see this throughout the Old Testament repeated. Whenever there's an opportunity to step up and, and, and kind of uh, step up into commitment or to, uh, for, for you to be counted among the number of God's people in this covenant relationship, there's usually three steps. We're looking at the first step today, and then we're giving you a, a little bit of a, of a heads up of what we're going to be talking about in the next two weeks, because these are the three parts of covenant renewal. The first is to acknowledge God's faithfulness. What I'm calling today in this sermon to recount God's resume. The second step is to consider our own covenant obligation to serve, especially in relation to alternatives. Because God's people have always been given all kinds of different alternatives. I mean, think about all the different ways of life, all the different decisions you could make. I mean, it, the, the list is endless. And while it seems like that's a recent phenomenon, the fact that there was choice, choosing whether to live God's way or live another way, that's always been in front of God's people. And so there's a moment of choice that happens. And then finally, there's a formalizing of the commitment the people say, we will serve the Lord. And in Joshua 24, then Joshua records it as a covenant moment. As a leader of God's people, Joshua basically says, yep, okay, 
You've made this covenant. Now, let's hold each other to it. Today we focus on part one, acknowledging God's faithfulness. Let's talk resumes. Uh, raise your hand if, you're, if you've got an up-to-date resume that, that you kind of regularly up to, uh, update and, and you're in the working world and so you have a resume. Raise your hand, anyone? Okay, good, good. We have some folks there. Okay, thank you for that. You got these resumes. How many of you have ever had a resume that you've updated in the past? Okay, there's a lot of folks who are kind of a little bit on the post-resume. Wait a few seconds, I have a word for you. Um, but a resume is a short account of, experience, of our experience. Usually it's our work experience, it's the jobs that we've held, it's the education that we've had, but it tells the story of, of what we know, what we've done, what we've accomplished. Think about your own experience with a resume throughout the career life cycle. Do you remember when you first put your resume together? And you were kind of struggling to fill up that one page? You know, maybe you had the degree, or maybe you didn't have the degree, and you were, maybe it was just your first job, and you were writing that first job, and, you, and it maybe was an exercise in school, and you had two lines to say about that first job, and yet how significant that is for us to get a start. And as time goes on, our resumes tend to fill out, because we've had more experience, we've done more things. One suggestion that I would offer to those who are retired among us is to do the exercise of updating your resume. Sure, you may not be updating that resume to go out and get yourself a job, but one of the benefits of updating your resume throughout the life cycle is it's a helpful thing to remind you of how you're growing, what you're accomplishing in your life. And when you're retired, that's happening. That's happening. So I encourage you to pull out a piece of paper and write your resume. What are you learning? What type of, like, for instance, volunteer service are you doing? And what are you learning through that? Actually write it down to remind yourself of that God is active, alive, because you never retire from being a servant of the Lord. Amen. And I would say the same thing to those who are, who are serving, like for instance, full-time as what we call a stay-at-home mom or dad, that there are things that you can be writing down about what you're learning and how you are growing, what you are accomplishing day in and day out. And of course, that opens up the door for a lot of us to go beyond our professional resume to a relational resume. How is God growing us? What lessons have we learned? What can we capture of God's work in our lives? Well, God's people consider giving and serving after considering the great things that God has done. You see, God has a resume. And God's resume goes way back. <laughs> and the early stuff in God's resume is foundational. So that stuff never leaves God's resume. That's probably the best thing that I can say, especially as we gather around the table of communion. You know, in the church, it's not kind of, God, what have you done for me lately? Okay, that's a dimension, because God is among us and doing things for us lately. But it's not limited to that. The deep 
long ago faithfulness of God to God's people, we are grafted into that story. That's part of our story. It may take a little bit of our imagination, but you and I, in a sense, were there at Shechem with Joshua because it was a moment for all of God's people. Just like when we gather around the table, it's like we are there at the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples. The first part of the covenant ceremony that we see in Joshua 24 is this recollection of the Lord's gracious acts toward Israel. And it's told in order to evoke Israel's response of obedience and devotion. There are numerous other places in the Old Testament that we read a similar selection of this, of this recounting of God's resume, of what God has done in faithfulness. You see it in Deuteronomy. You see it multiple times in the Psalms as something that the, the Hebrew people would do in their worship in Jerusalem. They'd recount God's acts of faith. It's a statement of what Israel believed about God's benevolent care in their past. Beginning with Abraham and continuing through uh, how God met them when they were slaves in Egypt and how God liberated them and freed them from slavery and brought them out into the promised land. In this version, God is the initiator. So, it's interesting that, that when God's people are called to step up before the Lord, that they are not called to start reciting all the ways that they've been faithful to God. They are called to listen and remember and recount how God has been faithful to them. We're overwhelmed by the re- repetitive statements of God's action on Israel's behalf. This is God's resume. I took and led. I gave. I sent. I brought you. I delivered you. This is Joshua as a prophet of the Lord relaying this first person testimony of God saying, this is what I've done. And that prepares God's people to make a commitment of service. Covenant renewal demands a recount. Or rather, a recount. So uh, it's kind of, have you noticed it's election season? I know that for some of us it could just be completely passing us by unawares. But yes, it is election season, and, and recently there's been more of a, of a, of a focus on, on recounts of ballots. Um, now, we've been through this before. You know, remember the election a couple of decades ago? Remember how we learned all about the different types of punch card voting with the Chad and the hanging Chad? You know, we don't use that system anymore, primarily because of that particular election, which, by the way, happened, it was controversial, and we tended to just move on, didn't we? So, hey, here's hoping. Um, But to recount is to relate in detail, to recollect or remember, to really narrate the details of something that's happened in the past. It has to do with recalling and remembering. But here's what it has in common with the word recount, and in specifics, with how we recount ballots in an election. 
When we recount election ballots in a close election, each ballot matters. And they're carefully counted one by one. I have an experience way back when I was in high school. I was a, a, an election observer uh, within King County. I was representing a particular political party, which I'm not going to tell you which one it was. But, but myself and a, a member of the other party as an election observer went with a King County sheriff. We, went, we gathered in downtown Seattle. We got in the sheriff's car. I was put in the back of the sheriff's car. So I have ridden in the back of a sheriff's car. I, could just, I, I will confess that. And we drove from downtown Seattle out to Falls City. And there was a polling place at that time. Now, this is a different way back when we had polling places. And, and my job and my, my colleague's job, we were there to make sure that everything was happening on the up and up. Um, and everything was on the up and up. And it was an incredible experience. I also, uh, also the, uh, the sheriff's deputy who was driving was showing off. And I'm not even going to tell you the speed that we got up to on, on I-90. It was, it, was, it was pretty cool. I was like 16. This was pretty good stuff. But in that recount, every ballot matters. You don't just stack them up and just kind of squint your eyes at it and say, yeah, in general... That's the way it is. You know, sometimes we look at God's resume that way. It's like, yeah, we know God's supposed to be good in general. God's done a few things. But that doesn't do justice to what the covenant renewal moment calls for. The covenant renewal moment calls for a recount. Recounting God's goodness. It was worth Joshua, God giving the words to Joshua to say all of these words, I I called Abraham, and I gave them this, and I brought them out of Egypt, and I established them, and on and on and on. Every detail of God's faithfulness and reminding ourselves of that. Have you experienced God's faithfulness personally? Amen. What does your recounting of God's resume declare? There's a song uh, that is sung often during this season of Thanksgiving. It's called Count Your Many Blessings. A few years ago, a member of our church named Art was famous for his singing of this song. His, his deep baritone voice, uh, by the way, for those uh, middle schoolers in our midst, this guy, his name's Art, his voice was so beautiful, this bass baritone voice, that he recorded, he actually did work professionally and recorded his voice on video games because he, they were looking for that deep voice on some adventure game and he auditioned and he got the job. Well, here in this sanctuary, he would sing this song, Count Your Many Blessings. And then at a certain moment, he'd actually say this phrase, name them one by one. That, thank you, Art, that is a great reminder of what it means to recount God's blessing, God's resume. Name them one by one. But the blessings that we experience all spring from a common foundation, what God has done for us collectively as God's people in the world. 
Our Presbyterian brief statement of faith recounts God's faithfulness to the covenant. Hear this again. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah chose a covenant people to bless all the families of the earth. Hearing their cry, God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant. Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child. Like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. Friends, the sacrament of communion is a moment of regularly recounting God's resume. What God has done for us in the covenant. Culminating with the new covenant for forgiveness of sins and eternal life through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Commemorated in our liturgy, by the great prayer of thanksgiving. You know, in many circles of the church, the, the word for communion or the Lord's Supper is Eucharist, which is based on the, the Greek word for thanksgiving, eucharisteo. Communion is a time for thanksgiving. It's a covenant moment, a moment to recount God's resume of faithfulness and to count our many blessings that we have received from God and indeed the greatest of all, salvation in Christ. Recalling God's great faithfulness, we embrace our covenant commitment at this moment in our lives, in our walk of faith, and in the life of this congregation, choosing to serve the Lord with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Amen.